Welcome to Hot Breath Comedy Fam. On Monday, May 13th, I am teaching a clean comedy workshop. The last four I have taught sold out very quickly, so if you wanna learn about clean comedy, the business side, where the line is, how to write clean comedy, go to the link in the description of this episode, and we'll see you there. What's goody, Hot Breathverse? Welcome back to Hot Breath, the show where you learn comedy from the pros. I'm your host, comedian Joel Byers, and our entire mission here is to cultivate the next generation of great self-made comics. And our guest today has been on that self-made journey for several years now that has taken him from open mics to producing his own theater shows to now the booker of Just for Laughs Comedy Festival. Hot brethren and sister, and welcome to the Hot Breath First, the one and only Neil Banzel, everyone. Give it up for Neil Banzel. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to be here. Yeah. I'm so excited about this. And um, we've had, we've been connected for a while now. We've known each other uh, through the internets, but now we're speaking for the first time. So that's cool. Yeah. I mean, uh, we go way back, Joel. Come on. Atlanta <laughs> days, I believe. <laughs> Started from the bottom. Now we're here. Right, right. Exactly. So if you could give, yeah, give people a little bit of a, a little backstory, a little context for um, what we're about to get into today. Yeah, no, we're going to talk about everything there is to know about uh, getting to just for laughs, uh, working on, on being a comedian that uh, is in demand and, uh, you know, just the keys to, to, to being a professional stand-up comedian where it increases your chances of getting booked on major festivals. Uh, and it doesn't even have to be just for laughs. It could be anything. It could be any, you could, by the end of it, you should be able to start your own tour or, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. anything, anything. Uh, you don't even need, you should, that shouldn't even be your main goal. Your main goal should just be a working stand-up comedian if that is what you want in life. And that that's what I admire about your story is that you weren't really getting that many opportunities from your local clubs. So you're like, screw it. I'll just start creating my own opportunities. And that's really what I did with my own career. So I love connecting with other comics who are just like, all right, I'll just, I'll just do it myself then. Yes. I'm a big proponent of, of if it's up to you or if it's up to me, well, <laughs> if it's, if it's to be, it's up to me. That's the mm. same. That's, and I don't know where I heard that before. It must've been in karate when I was in a kid, but <laughs> mm -hmm. that is, seems to be something that has stayed with me for, for a long time. If it's to be, it's up to me. Kaboom. And you, you came up in Toronto, correct? That's right. That's right. I was in Toronto. I, I was born and raised uh, in Toronto. I actually lived uh, in a suburb just Northeast of Toronto about 45 minutes away but all my comedy experience was from downtown toronto yeah so when you started to focus on what you can control and start creating your own opportunities i'm sure there's people listening who are like oh that sounds like a good idea but where do i begin like where did where did your self-made journey kind of begin well i mean first of all you need to you need to know what you're trying to achieve right it could be anything. It doesn't even have to be stand-up comedy. My the first thing I wanted to achieve was actually, and for it was I was 16, and I wanted to be a radio host actually on, on the radio in Toronto, and I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know how to get there. I, but uh, I I took a co-op class in high school, and this co-op class allowed you to be an intern at radio. Uh, you know, I chose a radio station, right, and um, it was, it actually was a station that it was a, a company that provided traffic reports to two radio stations, all the radio stations in Toronto. And at one, one day, uh, 16 years old, I, they, I knew that they were looking for a traffic reporter. So I, uh, I went on their voicemail on the boss's voicemail and I recorded a sample traffic report. I didn't say who, who, what the name, who the name was. I didn't say my name at all. And the next day I'm sitting in their office in the morning and they're listening to their voicemail and here comes my traffic report on the voicemail. And they're like, <laughs> so my boss is like, who's this? Let's hire that guy. 
right? Wow. And I'm like, that's me, that's me. And then they, they hired me for to start doing weekend traffic reports on like one of the biggest radio stations in Toronto, Q107 at the time. So it was this rock radio station and I was a 16 year old. I didn't even have my license and I was reporting traffic <laughs> <laughs> on the radio. If they only knew who was guiding their traffic at the time. So, but that was the first, that was the start of me just putting it upon myself to create opportunities. And uh, yeah, yeah, I don't know where it came from. It just, maybe it was a chip on my shoulder. Maybe it was like, just, I, I love when people doubt me and I want to mm-hmm. prove them wrong. I've always wanted to prove them wrong. So mm-hmm. uh, that was the start, I would say. And in your, how long into your comedy career was it before you were like, oh, I'm going to have to do this myself also? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it actually, my, my comedy career started in about when I was 18 years old. I, I, uh, I did my first open mic at Yuck Yucks here in, Tor- in Toronto in 19- April 1997. That's how old I am. So I've dated myself right now. <laughs> Man, I'm old. Man, I am an old person. But anyways, I, I, I don't look old because I'm Filipino, but whatever. You look so, great. You look great, yeah. Neil. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I start, like everybody, I sucked. I was horrible. I, I, I forgot. I remember the first time I was on stage, I, I forgot everything I was going to say. And I had notes underneath a hat that I was wearing. So I would take off my hat, look at my notes and put it back on, try pretend like I wasn't in my hat or anything like mm-hmm. that. But, you know, after your first time on stage, you're like thinking, oh, man, I'm a pro now. I could I could I, who's who's going to pay me now? Yeah. <laughs> right. But, mm-hmm. it, you, know, you know, it takes so long to get to that time, to that spot. And people just don't realize that, that you shouldn't be in it for the money. You know, that's not the reason you get into stand-up comedy. Uh, <laughs> but uh, to answer your question, uh, the, the biggest adversity that I ever received in the, and, um, you know, to where I decided that I needed to, to go out on my own and create my own opportunities was the, the time where a booker said to me, like, uh, I, I told this booker that I'm ready for, to, to get passed at a comedy club. Right. And he says to me, why do I need you? I already have a Filipino guy on my roster. (laughs) And this is back, but this is back in er late nineties, early two thousands. So it's like, there were not a lot of Filipinos in, in, you know, in the, in the comedy world at the time. Right. There was maybe five, (laughs) there was maybe five, but that's, you know, so I, I, I said, okay, well, if you're not, gonna get me onto the stages i'm just gonna create this opportunity to myself i'm going to make it bigger and better and put myself on stage and get my friends involved and uh that that prompted that started actually that started the whole uh producing aspect the whole producing side of me so um i was simultaneously doing stand-up and producing right after that happened you know, and uh, it, it, it just grew and grew. It's a, it was a it was a 10 year, you know, rise of cre- making a show and creating it and, and building it from scratch and and seeing it just explode and where I couldn't even imagine how successful it was getting, you know. So there you go. And I never went back to that guy. I never went back to that booker. I never just it's because I'm not first of all, I'm not a spiteful person. But second of all, the success spoke for itself. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. The chip, <laughs> you know? the chip on your shoulder. Yeah. You yeah. did not need to do anything. I did not need to do anything. That's that's for sure. <laughs> and yeah, and the first show you did, right? It was a sold out theater. Is that yeah. for your? Yeah, we. Uh, I, I found a theater downtown Toronto. It was very very rarely used. It was a three hundred seat theater called the Atlantis Theater, at Ontario Place, and. Yeah, I just I rented it myself. I I booked the the show. I marketed. I I got PR. Uh, I strategically the show. If anyone doesn't know what the show is called, the show is called the most racist show on earth, and it's R A C E S, most racist. But in, we intentionally named it that because then you hear it on radio ads because I was doing traffic radio reports. 
I was saying my own ads on the radio. So I was like, <laughs> come, come to the most racist show on earth. And people would call in. They're like, are you promoting a racist show on the radio? <laughs> and I'm like, no, no, it's not racist. It's racist. And so people would call in and just be so intrigued about what this show was. And we got media attention. We got people, you know, just it just exploded. People, so we'd sold out that first show. And then <laughs> what was next? We, we, the next year, I decided to go out on, an, take another risk and, and try out a 710-seat theater and a, one of the more professional theaters in town. Nobody, no one had ever done that before, right? So, um, and I remember it was the Blue Man Group was the one, was the, the people, it was their resident, it was their, their main theater. And the theater manager took us in and it was sold out. And I was looking at the audience and I looked at the manager and I'm like, we're gonna sell this out. We're gonna sell this out in six months time. Wow. And he's like, he kind of looked at me and laughed like okay this is the blue man you're gonna you're telling me you're better than the blue man group <laughs> i'm like we're the we're the brown man group we're gonna get this going. we're gonna get this going right so but it was hard it took but we sold out that show we sold it out with pr and it was sold out like weeks before the show started so i knew the demand was there and uh yeah i mean it was it just kept growing and growing and then we I moved to the US, started doing the shows in Atlanta, created an 18 city tour in the US and just started building it from there. So uh, that's how we met. That's how we, uh, we met in, in Atlanta. Yeah. So. yeah, I love that. That it's all from the ground up as well. And the fact you're able to then take it internationally, basically, you know, from Canada yeah. to America is just, it's inspiring of like, the mindset around you creating this show. I think a lot of times as comedians, we can think very like smaller, like we don't want to be in the way or it's like, well, this will just be enough. I'll just have my little corner here. But you, you went straight for the theater and then you went straight for a theater more than twice as big. And then you went straight on the road with it. Like you seems like your yeah. mindset may be a big part of like thinking outside of just, I'll just do my own little comedy show here and be all right. Yeah, no, that it was never, I would never wanted to, to think small. I'm always, I was always like adverse to risk and I wanted to just take those risks because who else is going to do it? Nobody else is going to take those risks for you. Right. And, you know, moving to Atlanta and with that, with my mind on the show that I was creating enabled me to, you know, I was doing open mics in Atlanta too. And it, back then in the, in the 2006, 2007, there was very, you know, clicky rooms, I would mm -hmm. say, right? It was, it was kind of segregated almost, but I was able to go to each room because that's, that's very important as a stand-up comedian. You should be able to play all different kinds of audiences. That's the universality of it, right? That's, yep. that's how you are able to, to perform to all different kinds of audiences and everyone gets to understand who you are. But, you know, Atlanta, we pulled out some gems out of Atlanta. I mean, mm -hmm. This is how I knew that I had a skill as well at spotting talent because the second show we saw, we, we did two shows the next year at the Atlanta theater in Toronto. But this time I, I brought a very young Clayton English to Toronto. I brought, uh, uh um, uh, who else? Who did else? <laughs> Noah Gardens once came to Toronto. Mm -hmm. Uh, <laughs> we got Rob Hayes, Mia Jackson, Caleb Sinan, all, Everyone who's in, you know, anyone who's in, in Atlanta, uh, who was big at the time, made it there, made it back, made it to Toronto. And that's, so it's, it was, uh, quite the, the feat I'd say. <laughs> and the, yeah. And these are all comics who have now been on late night, who are now working with some of the biggest comedians in the game. Like you really caught these comedians at a time where maybe in Atlanta they were big, but like you caught them before they even got to this next level where they're actually big in the comedy game in general. Yeah. Big Drew was another comedian. Who's who? Oh uh, yeah. 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 Drew Thomas. Right yeah. Yeah. Drew Thomas. He's, he's, uh, he, he's got a new life now with his, with this uh, new special that's out. Right. So it's, it, he's, he's consistently been good. So it, it was just a, it was a lightning in a ball bottle at that time, hmm. but uh, I'm, I'm glad we, 
you know, that it, it all came together. <laughs> so there's a reason why I, I was in the States. I, I truly believe that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. You know? And what, what did you see? Cause this can kind of get into where you're at now, but like, what do you, like you said, you have an eye for talent. Like, what do you see? What is something you see in a comedian to where you're like, Oh, they have potential, even if not now, like long term, I could see them really blossoming into something. What do you, what are some of those traits you see? Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it's sort of an internal thing with me. I, I can't, I can put it into words in, in that I, when I look at comedians, I'm looking for a strong point of view. Some people who are genuinely themselves, that they, they just stand out. They plain stand out amongst everyone else. And they're able to, to do comedy in front of all different kind of audiences, you know? And when they're on stage, people are resonating with people are connecting with them in on a different wavelength than you would see a comedian who is replicating somebody else on the on the circuit right now they're like who is doing comedy that just you know like you, anybody can t say jokes but nobody can be you nobody can mm -hmm. say you know your exact point of view on particular topics right uh so i i am particularly looking for comedians who are able to to convey that to an audience who can, you know, with all their being, with all their emotion, with all their, you know, because emotion is really the thing that connects, that connects comedians with audiences. They could be, they could say any topic, right? But tell me what you truly feel about that topic. Tell me what, why I should be, why this should be important to me. Tell me what, I want to know who that person is. If I don't, if I'm watching a show, and, and I'm watching comedian and I don't care to know more about them after they get off stage, then yeah, they could be funny. They could, it's, but it's regular funny to me. It's, it's not a funny where this is going to transcend time. This is going to be a comedian that is going to connect on so many different levels with so many different audiences. So I'm not saying <laughs> to any comedian out there that, 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 because it's such a it's such a weird thing it's such a unnatural thing and it's such a um you know it's something that that you have to develop over time you never truly find your voice until you've done it so many times on stage until you, uh, you know and when i was a stand-up comedian that was the thing that i was always searching for what is my voice what 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 why why am i on stage right now am i just am i on stage to talk about cold pizza or, or, or <laughs> you know, like, who cares? Who cares about cold pizza, right? But, you know, if you can make cold pizza funny because it's, it's truly who you are and why you detest cold pizza, then, hey, there's something there. There's, you know, and uh, I, think, I think that's something that people should strive for, right? Yeah, it's almost I, I like... I don't know if that answers the question because it's, it is something where, you know, it's a personal point of view and everybody, yes. you know, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. That. Even about if someone's talking about something like cold pizza, what makes it uniquely theirs is their unique point of view on it. Their unique yeah. experience with it, their unique emotional, whether it's they love or hate it, them injecting that personalized point of view onto something mundane is cold pizza is what actually right. elevates it to something beyond just like a generic joke. Right. Right. So all the, all the big comedians, all the superstar comedians have that aspect, you know, in them, right. That where, where you're just like, I am seeing something that's completely different than anything mm -hmm. else that I've seen. Right. And I'm connecting with this person. Not only are they funny, but this is truly, them it's coming from a real place what they're talking about you know so they can make any subject uh funny just just because it's their own personality their own feeling their own thoughts uh, regarding that generic thing right mm -hmm. and inject some some emotion into it all of a sudden you've got you've got a really good you know uh foundation for a joke or for you know just yourself understanding yeah, it, who you are and it takes time as well but it takes yeah. time to actually 
I think starting in personal places gives you a head start of like, even if you're writing about living at home after going to college or just something a little more on the surface, but just always starting from a place that's personal to you and unique to you. The more you do that, the more experienced you'll get at writing and performing. And then just the more and more you'll start to get to your voice. You know, uh, there's comedians out there that don't have it, the writing just yet, but the moment I see a comedian on stage and they're a little bit vulnerable, they're a little bit, they're, they're willing to reveal some truth about themselves, uh, but in an honest way, not, not just because they wrote it down, not because like, you know, they want to shock somebody, right? It's because, Hey, this is truly me. This is what I stand for. This is what makes me laugh. And not everybody might not laugh at that, but that if it's coming from an honest place, everyone can feel that, you know, it's a feeling. It really is a feeling that, that mm-hmm. people have and that are, you know, that, uh, that people should strive towards attaining. But again, it takes time. You know, that saying like, write what you know. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, if you haven't had the life experience to write what you know, yet. <laughs> you're you're limited with what you know so you have to go out and experience life you have to go out and do things to to really have that 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 you know that life experience to write upon and to write on right so yeah there you go and and as a booker and now someone that's you know booking just for laughs but just as a booker in general do you see any common mistakes comics are making or yeah, maybe things to help maybe the learning curve of this process we're talking about? Are you seeing some like common mistakes with young comics trying to get to that next level? Uh, um, right now there's, there's something, they call it the TikTokification of comedy, right? Or Instagram comedy and things like that, right? Where comedians are, are putting a lot of effort into their social media, right? And, but not a lot of effort into writing anymore, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And, that, um, you know, like, we have to look at that and we have to say, we have to think that this is, this is actually a, a, a form of comedy right now. It may not be the tradi- traditional sense of, of comedy, what we know as, as somebody who just like writes and performs, but you have to balance it. You have to be able to balance your social media following and the growth of your social media with the writing. Because, you know, if you gain all this audience and you produce your own shows, right, and people are selling out, selling out and people are coming to see you, right, but you don't have the chops to perform in front of those people once you get that audience how many times are they actually going to come back and buy more tickets to go see you right because mm-hmm. you don't have that aspect yet. you don't have that knowledge that 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 the the time in the gym of writing and performing <laughs> which mm-hmm. everybody needs to get to a certain level right but if you can combine it all if you can put it all together have that social media aspect have the have the writing, have the performance. It's it's an amazing thing to see it all come together. Andrew Schultz is a perfect example of something like that, right? Mm-hmm. Where he has the chops. He's been doing this a long time. He has the writing, and when you he's built that whole that huge social media following through YouTube, through TikTok, through Instagram, and now he's able to call his shots when he sells out and in theaters he can he can demand money he can demand dates he can demand anything he wants and people are going to say okay we'll agree to x amount of dollars because you have proven that you can do this and people will come watch you and people will buy tickets he's also the guy that started this tiktok i mean he he really started that trend so now young comics see oh well that's how you pop off now it's not you grind out for 15 years 
and then you get your shot, it's literally like, oh, I could have one crowd work clip go viral, and then yeah. I'm I'm out of here type deal, you know? Yeah. And Schultz yeah. was a but, big part of that shit. <laughs> so you know who was before him? Dane Cook was the guy before yep. before Andrew Schultz, right? So, mm -hmm. uh, it, 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 hey, there's no right or wrong way to do really there isn't you can be become a successful comedian so many different ways uh so i'm not saying that it's the wrong thing i'm all i'm saying is you need to always go back to the basics always go back to the things that are going to get that audience to keep coming back to see you right yep. if you don't have that if you don't have that material if you don't have the stage presence people are going to know they're going to say people are smart. The audience is smart. They're not, they're going to watch something and they're going to know right away. Do I resonate with this? Does this guy, is this person, you know, uh, making me laugh or can I see this anywhere else for $5 or something like that? You know? Yeah. Yeah. That's the so. catch 22 is if you do go viral, but you're not ready and then you sell out a show and like, mm. for instance, if your theater show, your first theater show, if it yep. sells out, if it's not a good show, if the comedians on the show are not funny, people are not coming back. You're not selling out then 700 plus seats and you're not taking that tour on the road. Like yeah. there's a big value to like, oh yeah, you go viral on social media, but if they come see you live, are you going to start getting unfollowed because right. of that? You know, they're, right. but it's, it's a different, it's like a different mindset now. I cannot imagine starting now to where you literally have to worry about, oh, I gotta get good on stage. I gotta be doing these open mics at midnight on a Tuesday, and I need to film this, and I need to figure out how to edit it, and I need to post it online, and then just yeah. keep doing that over and over again. Like, I can't imagine the amount of just like extra stress beyond just getting good at comedy that these young comics experience now. But it is yeah. it is a part That's of the game. <laughs> you need somebody to if you if you can't do it, you need to hire a college student to film it and cut it up and put it mm -hmm. out there. For, or <laughs> if if that's not what you're willing to do, then you know then that's not what you're willing to do. You know you gotta f figure out another way to do it, right? So but aren't even festivals and industry now looking at social media? Like, is who has the clout? Who can we bring on here? Uh, a lot of you know festivals look at the overall picture, right? But always, they will always come down to funny. It will always, especially for, with, with myself, the way I look at it, right? Uh, you, you could have millions of followers and you could sell, but if you're not a good comedian, <laughs> then there's no reason. There's not like, why are you in this? Really? You could, you mm. could honestly, your own show. You don't even need just for laughs. So you don't even need you know, the Netflix is a joke or something like that, right? You mm -hmm. could sell out your own shows and be perfectly fine. That's this that's the that's the truth, mm -hmm. right? So, uh, when when I I prefer to to look at comedians who have the comedic chops, and you know, if it's a bonus, if they're able to to prove that they can sell tickets in a particular market all right but that's not the be all and end all it never is that that's never the be all and end all so uh i wouldn't tell people to focus on having a huge social media following because listen you can have a so whole huge social media following but it could be in like montana <laughs> right True. It could, right it's not it, won't, it, it may not even be in in the town that you're performing in, right so if, if, if you have proven analytics that show, hey, all my fans come from this city, right? It's, it definitely helps, but it is not the major thing that you look at. It always comes down to funny and being authentically yourself, being just you. That's, that's mm. what I'm looking at. That's, that's the biggest thing for me. Uh, and being consistently funny. That's really it. And that's really it. So when someone's like submitting a tape, how important is like audio video quality? Like how quickly do you want them to get into a joke? Like how many seconds into the set? Like we're like kind of the logistics of a submission. Yeah. When I look at, when I look at tape and I, uh, being the Canadian talent booker programmer and booker for just for laughs, I, I actually invite 
comedians to submit stuff to me, right? I actually, because I consume comedy. That's one thing that I've always done is I love to watch stand-up comedy. I will go to so many shows in a year just because <laughs> I can handle watching comedians and I, mm -hmm. I respect them so much that, you know, I, 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 if you get up there, I respect that you're up there. That's that, that's what it comes down to. So I will watch your stuff. So when, when people send me video, I ask for five to seven minutes. Uh, uh, I'll typically know within the first 30 seconds, whether or not you've commanded the stage, whether mm -hmm. you've put out, you know, your, your, you have, so if you're taking the longest time to get into your first joke, right. Or get into a first story or whatever, you're wasting time. You're wasting time. <laughs> mm -hmm. You know, let's go. You're up there. Let's do this. <laughs> right. Let's make this happen. Let's, let's get to the meat and potatoes. Right. Let's see what you're all about. And you don't, so quality of the video, I have to be able to hear it. The sound has to be good. If it's too grainy and I can't see your facial expressions or I can't see you and there's like the back of somebody's head or something like that, it, that's not good. That's not a good tape. Nobody, people will just be like, I can't watch this, right? It's not going to be, it's not going to be good. So the thing is, is that I, I will accept submissions multiple times, right? So I, I may be, I may be stupid to admit this, <laughs> my inbox my inbox might be ridiculously you know, overwhelmed with, with, with submissions, but uh, I, tell, I tell comedians um, to send me stuff when they're actually proud of something, okay? Mm. So if you, if you are proud of a clip that you've taped and a set that you've done and you want me to see it, I will watch it. I will watch it. But if it is not good, you should not send it to me. And that's where, that's where comedians have to have self-awareness. You have to build self-awareness and understand what, what is good and what isn't good. You know, if nobody is laughing in the video, it's not good. It's not, it's not good. You know, don't, don't, do not send that to me because it will create a bad impression in, in my mind. And I'll be like, well, hopefully, you know, if in time, if they send me another video, uh, it will be better. Right. But that's the whole thing. I am here to see the development of comedians. I am here to to and I want to be able to see uh, uh, comedians develop. Right. So this year alone in Canada, I, I went to 12 different cities across Canada and I saw I saw over 700 comedians alone this year. <laughs> yeah. Imagine 700 comedians each doing about eight to 10 minutes each on stage. Uh, so it's a lot of comedy. It's a lot of comedy. And if you think about that and you think about, okay, well, how many actually stood out? It's actually a very small percentage that stood out because everybody is not quite there yet. You know, they're not, they're still working on it, but the ones that have that potential that have have really put the effort in and are working towards it they're they're on my radar they're definitely on my radar they may not be ready now or for next year but i'm gonna keep my eye on them and i'm gonna you know i'm gonna maybe message them every once in a while and say hey what what's what's new are you still working on stuff are you gonna can when's the next time you're gonna send me a video or something like that you know mm -hmm. so, uh, it's, it's that kind of, of commitment to watching comedy and, and developing, uh, these acts. Cause I, you know, I kind of see myself as in that role as well in the Canadian comedy scene is, is I, I, I grew up as a stand-up comedian in Canada. So I understand how it is. It's not like America, Joel. It's not like the U S and I'm, I've done both sides now because I'm, I am a dual citizen. I am mm -hmm. Canadian and U.S. Ooh. And in, there's a lot of opportunity. There is. In Canada, there is a, a sort of, it, 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 there, there is a limit to how high you can go in Canada, right? Mm. And actually, but it's not to say that you can't make it 
you can if as long as you have that that you know the exposure just like anything else just like in the u.s if you have that exposure where you're hitting the right demographics you're reaching the right people and they're resonating with your comedy and social media is the great you know connector of mm -hmm. it all if you can get your word out to through social media and people are resonating with your comedy across canada you can sell out anywhere across canada and people will follow you and, and you you can set up your own tour and you will be a working professional stand-up comedian that sells out every city in canada you know and people in the u.s will start to recognize that as well and hopefully you get into jfl where you can start networking with uh, u.s industry and stuff like that and then all of a sudden boom you're you got a you're jim carrey so you're talking about there were only a few comics that stood out what was it about them that stood out was it that authenticity or were there a few other things you noticed about the ones that stood out yeah uh i would say that the comedians that stood out to me were the ones who it you know they it didn't have to be where they were they've been working at it for a long time it could have been a way that they are presenting themselves on stage like their stage presence already so little things uh, are 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 what not attract me but uh i notice the, it's it's the small things right it's how you get on stage how you control the mic as soon as you get on stage how the audience uh, uh resonates with you or, or or do they feel comfortable with you do you off do you, are, are you putting off uh, an air of i'm cooler than everybody or are you putting an air of I am vulnerable. I am accepting of whatever comes, you know, towards me and I'm going to give out, you know, uh, that back, that energy back, right? Because it's an energy thing. It, it, it truly is. And you can tell the people, you could tell the comedians uh, who really connect on that level with audiences, where audiences are willing to listen to them, even though they're not being funny, but they're, just, they're, they're willing to listen, right? Which is a hard thing to do. It really is. <laughs> it, 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 they will, but they want to hear what you have to say because you, 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 a, you sound good. You're, you, you know, you're putting intelligent thoughts together. You're vulnerable. You're a real person. You're not somebody who's performing to them. You're not reciting. You're not reciting things that you just wrote that day. Or you know, uh, these are things that are truly how, what you feel, right? And that that is what I notice the most from from comedians. And but hey, there's one liner comedians who did the exact same thing. But they're the one liner comedians. It, it's it's their personality. It's their people are connecting uh, not just because it's you know, because one liners may not be as vulnerable as somebody who's talking about their life story or something like that. Right. What if you're if you're a one liner comedian and you're just like quick, 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 like uh, set up punchline, set up punchline. There's ways to do it and still connect with an audience. Right. Mitch Hedberg is a perfect example of something like that, mm -hmm. where you're just like, I, I love this guy. I'd love to just sit with this guy at a bar and have a drink and just listen to what he says, you know. So that that's that's the type of comedy that that stands out, I would say. Yeah, there's a likability and an authenticity to it, regardless of the, yeah. the style or the regardless of the form they take on in comedy. There's something you can feel that's different. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Likeability, likeability is is a huge factor in comedy. If people don't like you from the moment you stand on stage. <laughs> They're not, they're less willing to laugh at, at mm. what you have to say, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, I always felt like that's something that I had when I was doing stand-up was like, a, uh, I had a likability to me. I didn't have much of anything else. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, didn't I have punchlines, but he had yeah. a smile. <laughs> I, would, I would smile, I would invite people in, I would say jokes, but I knew I was limited because I was not... And I, I can tell you this now after watching so much comedy is that my downfall was that I wasn't willing to tell the, all the truth, you know, mm -hmm. like I was a little bit hesitant about telling everybody my business. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, 
okay. Well, Neil's a nice guy. It's just, you know, it's, uh, I, I think he's hiding something, <laughs> which is almost, which is kind of true. I would hide stuff. I would not give them everything. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's, which that what was we referenced what, earlier. Like it takes time to actually work up to what we're talking about, but the awareness is where it starts. And now you can start inching towards that. Yes. Yes. So if I ever get back into stand-up comedy, you're going to hear some truth bombs. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. And that's for any comic aspiring to get to that level of like pure authenticity is like you're hearing it's possible, but now it's just working towards it incrementally right. one joke at a time, one idea at a time. And then now it's, you know, you know, I'll tell you this, you did a, a podcast with the 85 South show with, the, with those guys. Right. Yeah. And there was, you, you talked about authenticity and you talked about like the truth and, and how it resonates with people. And that's, 85 South show is a perfect, perfect example of uh, uh, three guys who are just, they, they have been able to capture an audience that truly understands them and they, and they understand their audience, mm-hmm. you know, and they're not trying to be anything different. They're not trying to be somebody else. They are just being authentically themselves and people are following it. People and they're selling out shows and as long as they keep doing that there's there's sky's the limit you know it's just like where can where else can you take it you know in fact 85 south show was weirdly top 10 netflix canada in canada i was they were number at, one here in america crazy crazy they were num- number i don't know if they still are they were trending number one on netflix here in america yes and they're so selling out arenas it's wild there's people who see that as well. It does, and it's not just Southern America or anything like that that's seeing mm-hmm. this. It is worldwide. It is nationwide and international in Canada. And they may not understand it completely, but you can still understand funny. Funny is a universal language. Yeah. <laughs> you know? mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter where you're from. It really doesn't. As long and just... And I wrote, I did say that today, be yourself, be who authentically who you are and work on that can make that your mission to continually work on, on being yourself. You know, it's going to be hard. It's not for everybody and not everyone's going to make it. So (laughs) most aren't, most are not going to make it. That's, that's the nature of the business. You know, it's Mm -hmm. sort of, don't take it personally just work on you work on uh, the only person you should be up against is yourself that's as a <laughs> and the, the definition of quote making it is different for everyone as well yes. so to one person making it may be jim carrey to another person making it may be they just want to be making as much as a teacher salary and like yeah. living comedy full-time yeah. and enjoying it that way some people are full-time comedians and they live in their car and they think they've like made it you know so yeah. There are different definitions of making it, but you know, there's, there's only a few Kevin Hart's or Eddie Murphy's or things like that, but it is figuring out what do you want to do in this comedy game? What is the idea of making it to you and just working towards that and keeping your eyes on your own paper, not worrying about what other people are doing, but really what brings you joy? What are you most excited to do and achieve and work towards that? And I can tell you yeah. from someone doing this 13 years, it's easier said than done but like a lot of things we've talked about here, the, the awareness is where it starts. So being aware of that mindset, you can now start to cultivate it through like a daily ritual. But it, it does, it all takes time. And I'll have to catch myself as well going back and forth, you know. It, it's a job. It is, being a stand-up comedian is a job. It's, it's, a, and it's something that you have to work at continually. Um, you know, you, you, you should have office hours. You should be writing, you know, consistently each day at the same time. You know, you should be, you should, if that's the way you write, if you, if you write on stage, then, hey, that's the way you write, right? But like I said, everybody is different. Everybody has their own paths. There is no one path to success. Uh, but if you're in it, if you're just, if your thought is, I want to be, I want to be rich and famous and it's not happening for you, like, it's easy to get discouraged that way, right? Mm-hmm. But if, you're, if your goal is just, I want to write a really good joke 
you know, and I want to, and my goal is to get on like seven shows this week. And if I can accomplish that, then I've accomplished my goal, you know, and do it again, do it again, do it again. And, you know, a lot of the times when I was doing stand up, I actually admired the comics who had that singular focus. I always had a day job when I was, when I was doing stand up, you know, so, um, but there were comics who were willing to sleep on couches and be homeless and because their singular focus was to get on stage and to perform and some of those comedians now are the most successful comedians that i know right because they were willing to do that and sometimes it takes that amount of sacrifice uh to attain that goal but their goal was never to be rich and famous their goal was just i love doing stand-up i love going on stage and holding the microphone and as long as they were able to do that then great but i will always be like hey man you need something to eat can we (laughs) (laughs) give this man some food or give this woman some food please so uh, well i i have to ask uh yeah like people listening would be like you cannot end the show before you ask this but like so if someone is wanting to be a part of just for laughs. If, if one of their goals yeah. is to get into the festival, what are kind of the different ways people can do that? Yeah. So one of the biggest ways, one of the, the thing is you got to look at the shows that are going on at just for laughs, right? And you have to look, f- figure out, well, how best can I fit into this, you know, this festival? Cause I think, I don't know if people know, but there's, there's kind of like two kinds of festivals. There's a discovery festival, Right, where agents, casting directors, bookers, comedy industry, they're invited uh, to attend like a highly curated group of, of comedians, of new and established comedians. And then there's, um, there's a coverage festival, right? And which is a festival that brings in acts, like they pay for flights, hotels, performance fees, things like that, right? And ticket sales are the main goal of that type of festival. Right. So just for last is a kind of a combination of the two because they have new faces. New faces is one of the biggest and most important shows at just for laughs. Everybody who's a comedian should attain, should, should like try to get a new faces, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, um, booking or, uh, you know, try to get on new faces. And it's very difficult to do that. You, it's got, you, <laughs> for those in the US, they have home showcases in New York and LA. Um, but it's like, you, you have to reach in a certain level to get to that point, you know? Um, uh, that's why, that's why, but you can live anywhere. You can live anywhere in the US and, and build an audience and you'll you'll be found because there's people working in the u.s who are that's their job is to search is to is Mm -hmm. to go to the festivals and 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 that's why actually going to performing at festivals is is often a big thing is actually a a really good way of getting your your material and your your yourself out in front of bookers and the right people to see your stuff that's why I tell people, tell comedians all the time that, hey, do your best to get onto other festivals in the U.S. and Canada so that other people, you can network and other people can see what you can do, right? Not only are, is it giving you the opportunity to perform in front of different audiences, but it's also giving you an opportunity to be seen by other people who might be like, oh, this person's great. I'd love to, to, to work with this person. And now you're on the radar and that's the ne- that's the first step. That's the first step to getting booked on a show at, at Just for Laughs, right? Is awareness, making sure people know who you are. So you can't just stay in your hometown all the time and just perform to your hometown audience, unless you are, unless you're doing, unless you have a big social media following, right? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, it comes back. So it comes yeah. back. It always comes. That is the, that I told you, like social media is the, is the one equalizer, right? It's like, mm-hmm. I can, I can live in, in the middle of nowhere and create an audience, but you still have to go places. You still have to perform in, in other locations to gain that experience. Right. Um, but for, for those in Canada, it's a little bit different. It's, it's me searching and me looking and watching comedy and really trying to find the next best comedian, uh, 
the, the and develop that the the comedy in in Canada, right? So there's that. There are truly it's it it is a game of it if it's if it's to be if it's <laughs> Yeah, it's if it's to be, it's up to me. That's really what it is. You you have to be willing to create your own, you know, following your own, uh, um, uh, you know, your, just your own. Your you have to be able to to do the work on your own. That's what I'm trying to say. It it comes down to work. And it comes down to continually doing the work that's going to get you recognized to get on these festivals, right? If you don't, or if you're not willing to put the work in, then nobody's ever going to see you. Nobody's ever going to to know that you're you're doing. You're the funniest person in Montana, you know. <laughs> mm -hmm. I don't know. I, I hate I'm picking on Montana. Montana, I, yeah. I was just like I was looking at a map today, and Montana was the first state that I saw. I was like, okay. Yeah, it's I like Southern Canada. It's basically Canada. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's Southern Canada. You're, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. It's the Florida uh, of Canada. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, have, you know, you do the work. Do increase your social media following. Show that you're selling tickets everywhere you go. Uh, if 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 you're consistently working on being authentic, unique, and and standing out, someone will find a way to get you into the festival. If it's not me, it's somebody else, mm -hmm. right? Network, do the fest, do other festivals, keep performing, keep getting out there. Um, you know, try to find out who the booker is in in the states. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but <laughs> <laughs> but but that's your job, right? That's you, you mm -hmm. got to get out there and uh, and just find them, right? Find who mm -hmm. the right person is. You ask them if they can send a tape, but it's it's very entrepreneurial. It's very, it's very, it's up to you. It's up to the per, the, the comedian to, to make it happen. But before you, 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 you even consider something like that, it just, it's, 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 you, you have to create your own opportunities. That's what it comes down to. Yeah. Wow. I hate, I, I, you know, I, I hate that that's what it is, but it, it, if you think about anything in life, that's what it comes down to. You have to be able to create your own opportunities so that you can call the shots when the time comes. When when somebody knocks on your door or calls you on the phone and says, hey, you've done all the work. You've done everything that you can do. And now it's time. It's time to book you on shows. It's time to get you a gala uh, at Just for Laughs. It's time to, and, and that's when you, you're like, I can't believe people are being paid this much to do comedy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you're young, don't think of this as a as a one year game. Think of this as a ten year game. <laughs> think mm -hmm. of this as a fifteen year game. You know, put the sets in, get go to the gym, be get funnier, consistently funny, and then yeah, you, yeah, you'll call the shots. That's saying you you can always be seen too early, but never too late. So it's exactly. always better to be over prepared. So basically, getting to JFL. There's new face showcases. Um, you can try to stalk the booker and find out who to contact there. Or you can just get really good, build your own opportunities and get seen that way. Those seem people to be... will find you. Yeah. People yeah. will find you. And if you're building up that audience and you'll be surprised, you'll be surprised at, at who's watching. I'm watching. I know I'm watching. And I, I watch, I mean, not only do I watch Canadian comedy, I watch US comedy. It's, it's inevitable. I'll, I'll be on TikTok and just scroll and somebody's clip will come up and I'll just be like, oh, this was funny. I'm, I'm going to forward this over to our American booker. And there, that's what, how it starts. That's exact. So that's why it is important to get your stuff out there. So if you're, and if you're not doing it, who else is going to do it? Who else, is, how, how are you going to be seen? Mm -hmm. you, can't just, you can't be you know alone in your house <laughs> telling jokes to teddy bears you know <laughs> it's, just, it's yep. not gonna work right so that's that's well, that's uh, one of the ways that's so funny we came full circle from 
kids and their social media to like kids you need social media <laughs> we started one way and they came full circle like but we say all that to say <laughs> but it's not it is, the most as a person in the industry thing. like you it is still important but it is not the most important thing at all like you could you can have 100 followers and be the most but be the most authentic funny person and send me a tape and i'll know i'll know right away and be like you know what then this person deserves to get a chance and then build your audience after that because obviously this person has worked on being funny worked on their persona worked on creating jokes and, and being professional at it right so it it's not i'm not i never i i personally never look at at what if you have ten thousand followers or twenty thousand followers or anything like that i'm i'm looking at funny that's what i'm mm. looking at well uh well as we land this plane here is there anything else yeah any other insights you want to bestow upon these young comics out here <laughs> you know it's it's uh i've worked with so many comedians i'm so proud of of the ones that that have made it to this other level where you know they're 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 just and they're continually zooman's a guy that just still working at it right still yeah doing yeah it. so I know funny him. So funny. It's so many in Atlanta that, that I came across and I never would have had that opportunity if I never lived in Atlanta, you know, and Atlanta is a, is a type of scene where you're like, man, like, mm -hmm. <laughs> so much talent came mm -hmm. from that city. And I'm so proud to actually have been a part of it for, for like five, six years. I lived in Atlanta. Right. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, and then I started an open mic in Charleston, South Carolina. I, I went further south. I went deeper south. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I said, you know what? That is too easy. Let's make this harder on me and just too go easy. further yeah. south. Yeah. Let's let's be even more secluded, right? <laughs> yeah. So uh, I just wanted to say thanks to Atlanta, and uh, I, I had a great time there. That's for sure. And, uh, and I'm bringing all these comedians out to to Canada and all over the states was always a fun time for me so there you go <laughs> what um what uh what would you like to leave these young comics with is there um anything about festivals or anything from a booker's perspective or just tell them to quit while they're <laughs> behind you know maybe it's too late you're not enough it's not gonna work out you gotta go back to Publix bagging groceries no, no, <laughs> you know, that, I, love, I love how heartfelt the way you're like, Joel, no, and on a positive note, here's the thing. Com there's, there's no age limit in comedy. There is no, there is, you can be, you know, people in comedy who have really popped off made it when they were 50, 55, and they're just in their prime at 55 where mm -hmm. they're selling out. Bert Kreischer is a guy that, that is in his, I believe he's in his fifties right now, but he's, he is still going strong. And, yep. and I mean, it, it takes that, that amount of time and grind to, so, so you, you just can't think of it as a short term thing. This is, has to be a lifelong endeavor. You know, mm -hmm. if you're truly in it for stand up comedy, if you're truly in it to be a, a comedian, then you have to be in it for the long run. And you cannot, you cannot, you know, you cannot just, just expect things to happen for you in the first year or two. It just doesn't happen that way. It's very un, unnatural or unusual for that to happen. You know, you, you have to have, be somebody, be extraordinary and a prodigy, if that's what I, <laughs> for you to be two years, you know, cause you just don't have the life experience. You don't have the you know, the, the, the skills yet to make it to, to, uh, to, to do that. Right. So, Hey, it's a long game. Treat it that way. Treat it with respect. Keep going out there performing. You'll figure it out. Everyone will. I truly mm -hmm. believe that. I think in one way or another, but be authentic, be unique. That's how you're going to stand out. And if you do that, I will find a way to get you into the festivals. 
somehow. But you got to do that. Boom. Well, is there anywhere? Should they follow you, or is there any? I don't know if you yeah. can email you. What um? I mean, I'm on Instagram. Out? I'm on mm-hmm. Instagram at Neil Bansel. I use that's how old I am. I use my own name. <laughs> <laughs> at Neil Bansel on Instagram. At Neil Bansel on Instagram. That's Perfect. it. I'll, I'll share tidbits all the time of comedy. So. <laughs> well, Neil, we appreciate you for coming on the show. And uh, we look forward to uh, getting hot breath up to JFL sometime. Sounds great. Thank you. Thank you, Joel. Appreciate it. Hot breath. This episode of Hot Breath is sponsored by our Patreon. If any of our content has helped your comedy career, join our Patreon linked in the show notes and get positive comedy karma for life. Probably.